This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone. It is time for the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host, John Solberg. Today's show, two segments pulled from May 21st, 2013. Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com stopped by. Had a conversation with Greg about grilling surfaces, grill grates, and such. We're going to get to Meathead's conversation in just a minute, but first... Let's listen to Greg and Mark Lambert. Mark is the pitmaster sweet swino mine. And in this show, he was just coming off of their recent victory down at Memphis in May. Let's get to it. From May 21st, 2013, here's Mark Lambert. My first guest tonight coming in off the heels of their big win this past week at Memphis in May World Barbecue Championship. Their second overall win, by the way, at this event. They took first place shoulder, which shot them into the overall finals where they stood head and shoulders above all the others that day. Let's go ahead and head over to the hotline as we try and forget the worst pun ever attempted. And uh, Mark Lambert, sweet swine of mine. Mark, how are you, buddy? Awesome. Yeah, I, is it just awesome or is it even more than awesome? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know that our feet have actually hit the ground yet, but uh, it's just starting to sink in just a little bit. So things are a little crazy and and in in uh, disarray at this point around the house. So <laughs> once we once we kind of get uh, get caught up on all the emails and cleaning up, uh, maybe it'll sink in a little bit and we can figure out how to how to move forward. <laughs> There you go. Mark Lambert joining us here on the show. Uh, you know, we'll get into this past weekend here in just a second, Mark, but I guess for the folks who might not know all about you and the team, can you give us a little background about you personally, where your passion for barbecue came, and, and when you decided to jump into this competition deal? I started cooking uh, cooking barbecue. I knew nothing about even competition barbecue or barbecue at all, for that matter, other than just ribs on the grill. Grew up in southeast Oklahoma, but when I moved to Memphis, Went to work for a, a, a telephone company, a cell phone company, and they did a, a lot of hospitality at Memphis in May, and I was a gopher, uh, just mainly because I got to get out of work. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I came to enjoy it, and then when times got tough, that was one of the first things they cut was the hospitality budget for Memphis in May. Uh, a few of us that were already hooked, we decided we wanted to keep doing it. So we sort of sat down at a table one night and uh, decided we were going to change names and keep cooking, and, and there were still, uh, I guess there were still Three of us, their original team members from 1995. Uh, we used to win uh, the Miss Piggy contest every year was our claim to fame because uh, we had quite the budget. But uh, uh, we worked and worked and worked, and I was I was never the, I wasn't actually the cook until about 2001 when we lost our head cook Jody Bryant. And uh, when we lost him, I took over as head cook and started trying to improve things. Um, really, for, only from what I had learned and seen and what he had taught me. Um, I had no previous experience whatsoever with barbecue. My cooking passion came from my mother originally, and uh, all throughout college, I worked as a cook and as a, a server and a bartender and a you know back of the house manager and front of the house manager for a, a restaurant chain called Grady's Good Times Bar and Grill, and and that's where really my passion for food and cooking came from. Came from you know over and above that once I moved out of the house. 
Uh, you know, Sweet Swine of Mine, well known for the quality of the pork shoulder. You've won this whole contest one time before. Shoulder now four times in a row, right? Is it four times in a row? Not in a row. We won uh, shoulder the first time in 2005. 2006, we were ninth place, I believe. 2007, we were second. 2008, we were first. 2009, we were first. And, and overall grand champion in 2009. 2010, we were third. Uh, 2011, we were 13th. 2012, we were 11th. And then this year, first and overall again. There you go. So, I mean, what do you think you've done very well in the pork shoulder process? What do you think puts you over the top comparative to some of the other teams that are cooking shoulder out there? Uh, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with our process. The best, you know, if you'll ask anyone what the best part of, of barbecue shoulder or, or barbecue Boston butt is, it's the bark on the outside. And our process, we take special care to ensure that the bark on the outside is far and above better than anything else out there. Um, you know, most teams have a process when they, they cook pork shoulder, they wrap it at 155 degrees very tightly yep. and sort of finish it in its own juices, right? Um, and then unwrap it, and they finish it with some sort of a glaze or a sauce. Um, when we we cook our whole pork shoulders to a very consistent temperature up to 155 degrees, the same thing, and usually that's about midnight on Friday, um, Friday night. But unlike a lot of other teams, we don't completely wrap in aluminum foil. We just lay a, a tent of aluminum foil over the top of the shoulders and just sort of tuck in on each side just to help preserve the color. And it keeps it from braising its own juices and prematurely breaking down the membranes and the muscle groups inside the shoulder. And it preserves the integrity of the bark on the outside. So when we unwrap it, uh, when we, we set a glaze in, uh, on the outside of it, it's a superior bark on the, in flavor on the outside of the meat. Mark Lambert joining us here on the show. Sweet Swine mine recapping the big win last weekend in Memphis in May. Uh, Mark, when you're told that you're making the finals uh, or you're in the finals for shoulder, is it business as usual, or do you guys, you know, take a couple minutes and kind of enjoy that part of the contest? Well, we do. We enjoy, we do enjoy that part of it. Now, after preliminaries, we always we because we've been lucky enough to have sort of to develop some uh, nuances about finals. Uh, we've been lucky enough, and we've kind of we're a little bit superstitious, and it just so happened the first couple of times that we made finals, I wasn't in the booth. I was I was actually had a couple of beers in my hand and I was walking around, you know, watching other friends do their presentations, <clears throat> and I'd get phone calls. And the first time, uh, my phone was on vibrate, <laughs> so I wasn't interrupted during the presentation, uh, and it took forever for them to get a hold of me. So uh, since that happened the first couple of times, now after preliminaries, I grab a couple of beers and if I stay around very long, I get kicked out. How many butts you cooking at a contest? Uh, we cook whole shoulders and. Um, we cook, uh, they're 23 pounds plus pre-trimmed, pre-cooked, wow. and we cook 10 of them. Wow, 10 whole shoulders during the contest. So, you know, you wind up against Big Bob Gibsons, who has also won this whole contest a few times as well. You know, somebody you're obviously very familiar seeing at this point in the contest in the finals part. Do you ramp it up for the next round of on-site judging at this point, or is it still like a business-as-usual attitude? Yeah, for the finals, when, when we get that call, we run back down. Well, uh, immediately after preliminaries, before I left, we took our final shoulders and pulled them out of our hot box or our camera, if you will, uh, and put them on the um, back on the grill and do our little bit of patchwork we have to do, uh, set a, an initial glaze, and then I leave. And I had specific instructions, you know, for uh, you know if if we didn't get a call before thirty minutes, uh, to go ahead and set another glaze on the preliminary shoulders and make sure that where the, the temperature was no higher than two hundred fifty degrees and. 
so immediately after preliminaries, we start preparing for finals, not knowing whether we're there or not. In 2010, uh, I got third place because I didn't do that. Um, I didn't think that I had the product to make finals in 2010. I left without um, without preparing for finals. We made finals, and I went from first going into finals to third in 2010. This year, I wasn't going to let that happen. Uh, immediately before I left, put shoulders back on the grill, started sitting the first glaze. So when I came back, I had time to sit two more glazes, and then we had time to, to, to do a little extra garnish on the grill and have a pre-team meeting as far as who was going to do what and where. So you know, the, the one thing that really separates the Memphis and May, I mean, there's a lot of things that separate it out from, I guess, w- what most people will be familiar with as far as barbecue competitions are concerned, is this on-site judging. Do you work off a canned presentation, or are you impromptu? How do you handle that deal? You know, there's a little bit of it that's impromptu, and that's really just based on the feedback, the visual, uh, you know, nonverbal feedback that you get from the judges. Um, but most of it's pretty canned. I pretty much say the same thing every time. I throw in a couple little things, um, you know, every time. But usually it's pretty well canned. I know exactly what I'm going to say. I have props that help me along the way. Um, you know, we spent a certain amount of time on the grill, describing the grill and the charcoals and the woods and the thermodynamics of our cooking process and then with the, showing the meat on the grill. And then we moved to the table, the judge and I, and a couple of other teammates actually pulled the meat and garnished the meat on a tray and bring it to the table while we're talking about rubs and while we're talking about trimming and injecting and things like that. And then we pull bones in front of the judge. Uh, after we pull the bones, we give the judge always a specific piece of bark on top of the Boston butt section of the shoulder. And then um, we give them a little bit of sauce at that point to get because we give them a piece out of the middle of the Boston butt. Uh, and then we give them a piece off the top of the, of the picnic that has bark all over it. And then we give them a piece out of the middle of the picnic. And then we finish. We actually we bring in when we introduce sauce. Our sauce maker makes our comp sauces, Richard Lackey. And he describes in vivid detail the sauce-making process, what makes the sauce different, why it complements the flavor of the meat so well. And then with the very last piece we give them is actually a, a piece of the pork brisket that's still attached to the shoulder. And we give them a spicy version of our sauce with that as a finisher, and it takes, usually takes them over the top. What do you think the judges are looking for in on-site presentations? What separates the winners from the rest of the pack? I think they're looking for confidence. Uh, they're looking for confidence that that cook knows what they're talking about. Um, you know, not not just in what they're saying, but they're they're not their body language and how they carry themselves and how confident they are. Um, a lot of it has to do with comfort. You know, whether you're selling something to someone or whether you're presenting something to someone, people buy from people that they they like and they're comfortable with. So I think a lot of it has to do with how comfortable you make that judge. To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at john, J-O-N, at the bbqcentralshow.com. Uh, my first guest in the second hour is a show regular here. Typically, you'll find us having some type of spirited discussion about barbecue and grilling or beer can, chicken, or whatever it is. You name it, we cover it. He's also creator and the uh, the runner of the world's most popular barbecue and grilling website. Let's race over the hotline. And welcome back, friend of the show, Meathead Goldwyn, joining us here. Meathead, how are you, bud? I'm great, Greg. How's the Cleveland Cavalier of barbecue? Well, I'm doing very well, and I'm trying to figure out what is on your head, Meathead. 
Ah, it is uh, my French chef's hat. Oh, no. Meathead, is this thing on? I think I'm losing you. I think I'm losing you. It's a, it's a French chef's hat? Could it just be a chef's hat? Or does it have to be a French chef's hat? I don't know. I don't know, Greg. You know, I always have to have some kind of goofy hat on for you. Do you know who you look like? You um, look like uh, you look Mr. Like Chef Tell. You look like Chef Tell. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's that's phenomenal. You got the beard. We've never been seen in the same room together. Well, I would I would venture to say that that would actually be true statement on your part, Meathead. So Memorial Day almost upon us, which. Oh. <clears throat> For many Americans, signifies the beginning of the socially acceptable outdoor cooking experience. Of course, we know better. Grilling for most, barbecue for others. But in any event, they both utilize some kind of grill grate, which happens to be our discussion tonight. So, you know, how how should we open up discussion on grill grate? I mean, really, could, could it be like one of the most overlooked items for a barbecue pit or a grill? Yeah, and you know, usually when I am on your show, we talk about latest research or some experiments, and I focus on data and science. Tonight, I'm going to venture heavily into opinion, um, and I'm going to be, not surprising to most of your guests, contrary to common uh, wisdom. Here's my thinking about grill grates. They're the surface upon which things cook, and since metal absorbs energy and holds it better than air does, um, when you put something on a grill grate, it marks the food. It brands it. It's like a branding iron. So you get these grate marks or grill marks on the surface. Well, I mean, if you're doing a pork shoulder or, uh, or even a steak for that matter, what you, you don't want a crosshatch on the surface. Now, I know a lot of people really like grill marks on the surface of a steak, but I I feel like that those grill marks are really dark, Maillard effect, caramelized meat surface, and they're the flavor that I like the best on a steak surface. So all the stuff in between, all the little diamond shapes in between, the interstices between the grill marks are really meat that hasn't lived up to its potential. I want my steak to be an even, straight color, dark gold, dark brown mahogany color, edge to edge. And certainly if you're doing a pork shoulder or something like that, you want your bark. You don't want um, marks on the surface. So, I mean, ideally, if we could suspend the food in air without touching the metal surfaces, that would be the best solution. The next best thing, I think, is a very, very small grate. Now, everybody raves over cast iron and these big, fat, thick. And the thing about cast iron is, is it really holds heat. I mean, it's a great frying pan. It really, it, it absorbs heat. It's heavy. It's thick. And it retains heat. So food that gets on it, it's like being on a frying pan. It sizzles. And it really gets a dark brown. But again, you're not getting the area between the grates. And if you're not careful, you can go black, which is carbon, and that's not all that tasty. The other thing about um, cast iron that I'm not fond about is there a pain in the the butt. Sorry, 
Um, they're a pain in the butt to maintain. They get rusty. You have to oil them. If you forget to oil them, you come back, they're all rusty. I don't want rust on my chicken. Um, so I'm just not a big fan of the cast iron grates and even the enamel-coated cast irons, which are you don't have to clean, but you still have the heating properties, that heavy bulk mass um, that really heats up and 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 and, and, and Cars the surface of the meat, well, leaving me, much of the meat untouched. Let me interrupt here just for a sec. Yeah. Um, I used to when I first got into, you know, the, the barbecue and the grilling scene. Uh, I got my first Weber, and that Weber came with the PCI or the porcelain coated cast iron mm-hmm. grits, and it was like all the rage back then. And I was like, "Wow, okay, this is great. And like you said, it, it took a little longer for the grill to heat up because the grates are sucking up all that heat initially until they get hot enough to kind of pass through. And I was like, well, I don't want raw cast iron because like you said, you know, a, a perceived pain in the ass. And look, if you stay on top of it, I think raw cast iron is a pretty good cooking service. But the minute that thing gets a little bit of rust, it's almost like cancer in a sense that it's almost impossible to stop once it is on your cooking surface. So that's why I always say at the end of every show, if you cook on raw cast iron, season it each and every time, blah, 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 blah. The porcelain-coated cast iron grate, I think, has an inherent flaw, which a lot of people might not consider, which is this. When you clean it, it has to be with that soft uh, brass bristle. You can't use a broiler brush on or anything heavy-duty because you'll take that porcelain coating right off of it, and now you're screwed. You've lost it, or it's chipping, or it's leaving on food. I think porcelain-coated cast iron, way overrated. I have to agree with you. Um, it, it, the other thing is, is if you if you drop it, it can crack and craze, and then it can start rusting. Um, my, my, I've settled upon thin wire stainless steel. Um, it, 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 it is not so thick that it creates these big, fat grill marks. And if I keep moving the meat around, I can get an even brown surface. I can get that whole surface um, fully developed, fully browned, and really crunchy. I can get a crust, and that's what I wanted. Uh, what I want when I'm doing a steak. Um, so um, the big, thick stainless steel ones have very similar properties to cast iron, but uh, in that they retain a lot of heat. But um, uh, I don't want that. I, I, I want I want to float the meat in midair, and the next best thing is a thin wire. Now. The really El Cheapo chrome-coated grates that you get from, you know, when you buy your Cheapo grill, like the Weber kettle and stuff, really meets the bill. The problem is is that they the coating flakes off so easily and they rust. And, uh, of course, they're cheap oh. enough to, repl- to replace quickly. But, you know, they do the job, too, for me. Um, I, just, I just want them out of the way. So what it almost seems like is if there was some way, well, A, if we could devise a system, almost like a hook system, where we could kind of latch on the stakes to either side, hold it up over this high heat, and then uh, be able to almost kind of turn it. It's almost like that Meadow Creek chicken cooker in a way. I'm it has those of handles. Willingham's uh, device. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, something like that where you can uh, allow that whole browning to take place on the steak. So that would be key number one. But what about like uh, almost like some type of a flat top that allows you know the wow. heat to go through? 
And then I know we're getting into this whole crazy discussion of flat top isn't grilling, uh-huh. blah, 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 blah. But, you know, if we're talking yeah. about just getting the brown on the meat, that almost is like a, a bird with uh, or two birds with a stone. Well, we, you know, we haven't touched upon a grilling surface that I think many of your uh, listeners know and love, and so do I, and that is grill grates with a capital G. And these things, um, in case your readers are not aware of them, these are cast aluminum that are extruded, and they have these rails. And then they, between the rails, they have valleys that are solid. And um, we'll talk about cooking them the normal way, but if you have grill grates... Flip them upside down. Now you've got a perforated, solid, cast aluminum surface that has the best features of a griddle, a flat surface where the meat is in contact with a hot surface, and it has holes so that the combustion gases from your charcoal or your gas grill can get through and flavor the meat. And I do a lot of burgers on those upside down. Um, uh, the, the, the problem is sometimes if you cook a lot on them right side up, they build up crud on the bottom side. So you got to burn them off and scrape them clean. But, uh, uh, upside down grill grates are really good for that sort of thing. Do you uh, tell Brad Barrett that you do that with his product? Yeah, he's, he's a little reluctant to get behind it. Um, because he's big, he's really fond of, um, the product that he made, right. He wins his grill grates win the steak cookoffs all the time, and a big portion of it is is because of grill marks. And you know we do eat with our eyes, and we are trained to to drool when we see grill marks. I'm trained by now to when I see grill marks, all I see is all that tan meat in between the grill marks, and I want it brown. But um, uh, you know I love grill grates for a hundred other reasons. And there you have it from May 21st, 2013. Sweet swine o' mine pitmaster Mark Lambert and Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. If you haven't checked out AmazingRibs.com, do yourself a favor. Head over to AmazingRibs.com. You'll be glad you did. Speaking of websites, if you haven't done so already, be sure to head over to the BBQCentralShow.com. Subscribe to the Barbecue Central Show via podcast. Never miss an episode of this show or that show again. Until next time, on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, I am your host, John Solberg. Thanks so much for listening, and I will talk to you soon.